Hello, welcome to Tupmana Podcast. We're back after a few weeks off and we've got a legitimate excuse in that John, our very own John Huddleston, who's part of the pod, went and decided to have a baby. So welcome to the world, little Lucy Huddleston. Uh, she's obviously going to be an Oxford fan, but we all decided to take collective uh, paternity leave along with John out of solidarity and... Uh, so yeah, we took a few weeks off. And actually that kind of hiatus coincided with our winning run coming to a, to an end. I think we lost to Donny. That was our last pod, wasn't it? It was Donny and Bristol Rovers together, wasn't it? So I guess we beat Bristol. Um, but yeah, it's me, Jack and Connor today. Connor, we haven't spoken for a while, mate. How's life? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. You know, just <laughs> cracking along. Same, cracking as, along. same as every other day, pretty much. But it's still, good to be back. It's to be back on the pod. You still PhDing? Oh yeah, definitely PhDing. Yeah, still got another eighteen months of PhD yet. Oh, so God. still, still PhDing. Yeah, um, but it's, it's, it's a long it's going, slog. It is a long slog, but it's going well at the moment. So I'm actually in a pretty upbeat mood about it, which is uh, not very common. So it's, it's good. It's nice. Good. It's good to hear, mate. It's good. And Thanks, mate. Jacqueline, Radio Oxford's Jack, Captain Ox. How you doing, mate? Yeah, all right, existing. I can't talk about a PhD, um, and I, I work in the rail industry, so there's not a lot I can bring to the party, really. <laughs> what's your favourite favorite train? Uh, One's I'll come back to you, I, I think. You could have said Gordon or Percy. Oh, yeah, that's Thomas. true. That's true. Right. Can, can, can we just make sure that the listeners know that we can see each other at the moment? So, if there's any proper yeah, outburst of laughter, it's probably because someone's making a funny face or something. Probably there Jack. You go. Right. Um, <laughs> we've got to go from trains to real things now. But yeah, well, there's no other place to start. But the news about Mickey Lewis, which obviously hit all of us, is a massive shock. I don't think anyone really knew. He was ill, but as the news broke through, it was kind of a sudden illness. And there's probably, I guess we've got to give our own tribute to the man. Like for me, growing up, going to the manor, he was a staple in that team. And, you know, he was just that gritty player. You kind of, more modern players that remind me of, of Mickey Lewis is the people like Ryan Ledson and that type of player. Um Made over what three hundred and fifty appearances for us between eighty eight and ninety nine. Um, managed us a few times, and for me, one of my memories was he. And he looked so young looking back at the footage, but he managed us um, away at Reading in ninety nine. That was one of my first ever away games. We beat them two one, and Alan Pardew was in the dugout for Reading, and I think it was one of his first jobs as well but Matt Murphy and it's worth looking back any Oxford fans who don't know what I'm talking about look back at the footage Beecham crosses in it's late in the game Matt Murphy comes storming in edge of the box just absolutely leathers it it was unbelievable but yeah um Jack he's a fantastic man and we we talked about little things that you know we're gonna miss about him not being in and around the club yeah I think Certainly for me, kind of through uni in kind of 2010, when I started going to a lot more away games and he was wild as assistant, he did become 
one of those things that you tick off during an away game, and it might be, we've said before, about seeing faces at away games that you don't particularly know or buying your programme or hanging your flag up or whatever. But part of that mental checklist was Mickey Lewis kind of shuffling over to the away fans, doing the little applause over over his head and then laying out the cones for the kind of fast feet routine. And that's something so kind of not, not important to the game or has any influence on the game, but it just, that was what something you remembered him by. And he had this kind of legendary status with fans for, for his playing career. But actually the fact that he was with us for what, about 27 years in total across coaching yeah. and playing, you know, that doesn't happen very much in the modern game. So, he, you know, he's a club legend and it's just so sad that it's, you know, such a young age. Yeah. He's yeah. A, Mr. Mr. Oxford, isn't he, Connor? Yeah, definitely. And like, like Jack just said there about the putting the cones out thing, it it was part of a ritual, wasn't it? You know, for, for fans of kind of, particularly my generation as well, um, where he obviously he was more involved with the the management of the club. Um, got you know, for my generation of fans, it was that ritual of seeing him every game coming out and, and doing that, you know, the, the, the pre-match clap and all that sort of thing. And um, I mean, I had the privilege of... Um, Making him a couple, a couple of, couple of, couple, a couple of cups of coffee. There we go, cups of coffee. Um, over my time as being a ball boy uh, at Oxford, and uh, he was always a very welcoming man, and, and also he was a funny character as well. Um, and there's one thing that was was quite nice happened this week in, in my family in regards to this was um, my dad acquired a, uh, a match match day worn shirt from Mickey Lewis um, from the two thousand, no, sorry, the nineteen. 80, 88, 88 89 is, yeah. season. I think, yeah, it's the, it's a, it's the one of the Wang shirts. I've actually got it hung up behind me. Um, it's, it's a really nice shirt that I've always nice wanted shirt. the shirt because it's the shirt from the year I was, but I was born in 87. I still think it's the same shirt. And it's yeah. someone's been selling it on eBay for like two grand or something nonsense mm. for ages. And I've just constantly been wanting it. But that's amazing you've got that. And it's, it's his num- what, number, number five. five. Isn't it? Yeah, his number five. Yeah, it was, um, it was gifted to my dad by someone um, earlier this week who, who thought that a, a big Oxford fan like my dad would appreciate would appreciate owning it. Um, so as I say it's hung up hung up behind me at the moment, but we're we're considering getting it framed. Um, so yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, going back going back to the man, you know, he was fantastic and he meant an awful lot to a lot of people at the club, and you can clearly see that because after the news broke, you know, some of the uh, the tributes that were put out on, on Twitter, for example, were were really really nice. Um, yeah. But like Jack said, it's just such a shame that, you know, some a man of his age passing the way he did. So, you know, our thoughts definitely go out to his family and his friends at this time as well. Yeah. And, and it's worth saying, actually, Jack, I, when you were talking on Radio Oxford, you mentioned um, as part of the tribute to Mickey that he played for Derby, what, like 50 times? And he even in, you know, you live up that way. And even the local media there were still remembering him fondly and talking about stories of of Mickey and you know he, he's had an influence on more than just Oxford United I guess yeah and, and this is the thing that again he spent 27 years with us across various spells but actually you know 50 games at a club like Derby doesn't normally stick in people's minds that well but the fact that they had a little tribute within their own kind of radio Derby um, preview ahead of their game at the weekend shows how well liked he was and I think yeah. the fact that he stayed around at Oxford through so many different managers and as part of so many different backroom teams 
shows not just what a nice bloke he was, but what actually a good coach he was. Um, and I think it was mentioned on Radio Oxford and forums and in the media that I think a lot of that kind of recovery after mucking up the 2010 season, the recovery into the playoffs and the playoff final, I think he probably paid, played a big, bigger part than we'll ever realise in that. Um, yeah. And yeah, he, he, seemed, just... he seemed really prominent in, as part of Wilder's backroom staff, didn't he? They seemed to get on really well. Um, but yeah, you're right. He carried through, you know, manager after manager, didn't he? So yeah. Um, as Connor said, obviously thoughts go out to his um, his family first and foremost, and then and then friends and the people knew him really closely. It was horrible listening to Rosie. Um, reflecting on things. It was the same feeling I got when they were talking about Jim Smith. Um, but Rosie, you know, it was obviously him and Jerome and, and the guys on Radio Oxford trying to, you know, hold it together to talk about the man. It was just, yeah, it was really difficult to listen to. Um, but it's worth saying there's a GoFundMe page for Mickey that's re- already raised over 10 grand, like 12 grand now. So if he's he's got a young family, which is important to remember. And as Jerome and the guy said on Radio Oxford, it's about us as a fan base, um, giving them as much support as we can. So anyone that can afford to, please go and contribute to that um, if you can. But yeah, obviously thoughts, thoughts go out again to his family and friends. Um. <sighs> Other news is difficult, isn't it, to go on? Well, you know, when you start there, it's hard, hard work. But we've got we the show must go on. Got lots to talk about, and then we've got obviously a positive thing that we'll be able to talk about uh, in the Swindon game. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, Jack, you you referenced some stuff around finances um, that Tiger had talked about. I missed a few of the fans forums. What's the what's the latest on that? Yeah, so you just did a a little piece on. Uh, the website, I assume it would have been in conversation with Chris Williams, but essentially talking about the COVID impacts on the club um, and the kind the kind of headline figure is that it'll be about a loss of £2.3 million to the club if you, if you were pressed to write a figure down, but he, he, yeah. made it, he made it clear that that's before any incoming money, so there'll be instalments from transfers, you know, the kind of Fozzies, Baptists, Dickey, um, that will come in and lessen that. But I thought it was quite interesting that he reckons this season, by it practically all being behind closed doors, will have lost about £1.5 million in gate receipts. Um, and they reckoned those few home games we missed last year, including the playoff game, um, was about 400k loss. And obviously, yeah. we, missed, we missed out on Wembley receipts and associated things. So um, I think... We've we've all said on the pod and in the, in the WhatsApp group and everything else that the sale of Baptiste and Fozu last January, as much as it made us pretty annoyed at the time, um, you know, in hindsight and everything, how vital has that been for the the future of the club? Mm. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to know. What was that like collectively, like three to four million or something for the both of them? Ish, I yeah, think. ish, ish. Yeah, I was say, yeah, close to four, wasn't it? I think. For the pair of them, um, yeah, it's huge. I, I do think even even with that sale, we're quite lucky with what seemingly is going on behind the scenes in terms of financial support for the club. Um, it's crazy to think that, given how Tiger started his reign with all of the various kind of yeah, winding the, up the debt, yeah, there, the debt collectors at the door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, that's 
many a curly whirlies could be bought with all of that <laughs> debt, but let's hope it sorts out. Do you know? Do you know? Like a, a chomp is that? Do you know why? Do, do you know why it came up the other day? Someone was saying that like a chomp was like forty p now, and I was just like, "What are you on about?" It's no, it's like a Freddo as well. It's all of those things it? that you. Well, they should be like 5p. Even back in my day, and I'm nearly 25, like even back in my day, they were they were like 5p. Like just inflation rate, so quick. Wow. Terrible, isn't it? What a pod. We've talked about Terrible. trains, yeah. chomps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God knows um, where it's going to end up. <laughs> other news, um, under 18s won their league. Top stuff. Yeah, that's um, brilliant news, that is. That's, yeah, yeah, I saw that on Twitter the other day, and that is that is really good. It's good, good stuff for the for the young lads. What what's happened to the women's team? Does anyone know in terms of what's happened to their season? Because they were they were riding high in the league, but has it been candled together? I think it's been paused. I don't know if they've had a, a null and void decision as yet. Mm. We'll try and look up and see what what's going on there. Because again, they were doing really well. Had a couple of games in hand and were. Definitely top or thereabouts. Um, under 21s, um, some of our players were out on loan. Uh, Leon Chambers Perillion, who we all. Is that how you say it? Paralon. Chambers pa- yeah, Sounds yeah. like someone you'd see at St. Edward's School with the double barrel surname. <laughs> Let's hope he does better than um, Buckley Ricketts or uh, oh. Smith Brown or any other double barreled surname that we've got. He can't do we've got our own double barreled. It's like Ben's Ben's surname is Chan Smith, isn't it? it? You can't help but sound posh, can yeah. you? With a double barrel surname. His, anyway, uh, his um, middle name is Nelson as well. Is that posh? Oh, I just I, think of the Simpsons. I thought it was. Yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. Ha ha. Um, anyway, he's joined, um, obviously, the first team bubble. What's actually happened to the rest of the 21s, though? Are they... So they're playing a few fixtures. So they played against Southend yesterday. And lost three one, but um, the likes of Nico Jones and Alecci will play in those remaining games, and I assume attempt to win a contract for next year. Yeah, as long as Nico yeah. doesn't get his phone out while he's driving again. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> any, any any update on his seatbelt being on or not? I don't know. Um, cool. Okay. Um, right. There's loads of since we've last podded. We just play like twice a week now, don't we? So loads has happened. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll rattle through the games and pull out some talking points, but obviously we're going to focus in on the Swindon game as priority. But Wigan, this is hard to remember, isn't it? Wigan, we yeah. beat them two one. It was I remember at the time we there was just a whole set of expectation. We just come off the Bristol Rovers win without playing particularly well. Went into this Wigan were one nil up. Got into like the last quarter of the game. Um, Sam Winnell, it was a good back post header, wasn't it? And then Elliot Moore with a, a striker's oh, finish that, at the back of a set piece. Yeah, that Elliot Moore goal, I tell you what, those Wigan defenders, oh my God. Like the way he just bulldozed his way between the two of them. Just wanted it so much more than them. I remember it clear as anything now. It was, yeah, obviously good good for uh, good for Maud to get on the score sheet again. Yeah. But J- Jack, even then there was a signs... Wasn't there that so we'd won a couple of games after the Doncaster defeat away, in which was a game actually where we played better, I thought, than Bristol Rovers away and Wigan at home. But there was a few signs there that maybe something was starting to creak. Yeah, I mean, the Bristol Rovers game was kind of the classic win ugly type of performance, which you you know 
they always say a good team does. Wigan, was it win ugly? We just basically scraped through. They they would have been pretty annoyed at, at dropping even a point. Yeah. So yeah, there were there were signs of a bit of uh, rustiness. Is probably not the right word, but there was some signs creeping in that things weren't going to be kind of straight wins as they had been for the kind of previous 10 games or whatever it was. And I think the Ipswich, Pompey, MK, Dons games, which we'll come on to, were all kind of similar performances of good in patches, the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes, and then the 70 in between were generally pretty poor. Yeah, and... Going on from that Wigan game, we played Tranmere, which was on TV, which obviously meant we were going to lose. Um, um, that game, Connor, do you remember it? Because from memory, all the na- the narrative around Matty Taylor just started from that point. So, you know, he'd obviously... He's, he's still in double figures for the season, but yeah. he didn't have a particularly good game, missed a penalty, yeah. missed a hat full of chances. Yeah, and yeah not only did and he then, miss a penalty, he stuck it 400 yards over the bar, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. one of those. It's one of those things for me, and, and I don't care if it's Matty Taylor or any other player. Not hitting the target from a, from a from a penalty is pretty dire, isn't it? Especially when you send it that far over the bar. Um, yeah, it was. I'd still rather that though. I'd always rather no. the Bosch like smash it rather than someone yeah. do the little like a Penenka and the keeper catches it. I'd always uh, like uh, yeah, put your laces for it. That's true. Yeah, I suppose. But but yeah. Anyway, but I think you're right with the um, the narratives that surrounded Taylor, particularly. Um, it's been taken forward now, even even into as far as yesterday. Um, but yeah, it was a very disappointing result because again, it it okay, yes, it's the Papa John's Trophy or one of the other numerous names that we've called it on this podcast over the over the last year. Um, but it was still an opportunity to go to Wembley, and I do think that the boys did bottle it a little bit. It was uh, I was I was frustrated um, to see us go down the way we did in that game, um, and like you said, the, the TV curse was certainly. Certainly yeah. came back to haunt us because it's it's just seems to be a no show and we've on TV. So hopefully when we play Lincoln in a few weeks, it'll be you know we'll try and break that curse. So we then went to Portman Road. We obviously had an amazing result there last year when Ipswich themselves were in a better vein of form, beating one nil. There was something about listening back. They you know how BBC Oxford play back footage from the last time you played them. And they played back the uh, the boos from the Ipswich fans when the final whistle whistle blew, and it just made me miss being at games so much. But that was a great that was a great result for us last time out. But this this game, it wasn't the same Ipswich that we saw at home, where we bottled that game like they had a host of injuries. That was nil nil as well, wasn't it? And we just didn't take the game to them, and they were absolutely pants. Um, so they had a few players back. For this game but the only things that stick in my mind was um again the chat there was a chance for matty taylor that everyone seemed to obsess over jack and it was that header that seemed to be a bit above him um from a sykes cross it was a, some really nice interplay to get sykes in and then but I, did, I didn't think that was the thing that's been frustrating me about this matty taylor thing i don't feel like we've been playing at all to his strengths and i can't he, work out like yeah he hasn't he hasn't missed any outright sitters take the penalty away from it because I'm with Connor if you don't hit the target as a number nine then you know that shows your confidence is is not in a good place but yeah the 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 header at Ipswich was he was kind of leaning back and he's not the tallest of strikers anyway Um, and we've seen him score good headed goals so there was a few people saying he's no good in the air but 
Pompey away, Rotherham away last season. Rotherham away, yeah. A couple of belting headers. Um, I think just generally the front three, four, the, the final ball across all these games has just been lacking a bit. Like I said before, they've been, they've been pretty similar games in that we've had half chances or the ball's been played behind someone or over hit or whatever it might be. And, you know, that just happens sometimes. And, you know, as a number nine, if you're not scoring, you're going to get questioned regardless of whether you're actively missing chances or not. Yeah. And Connor, do you reckon it's because we've got Barker in, you've got Shadipo in, both of them are lone players that need to find their place in the game. I don't think Shadipo's got any assists. I might be wrong in saying that, but I don't, I don't think he has. Um, someone at least said that to me the other day, so I blame whoever that was. I don't remember. Jack, I'm going to say it's you. We got one last <laughs> um, night. Oh, yeah. All right, well, before... The, I, think, before I think that was the first one, yeah. Okay, maybe not to Matty Taylor, though. Yeah, in, good point. You know, they're not going to be the, uh, the Harry Kane and Hyun Min Son of League One, are they? Not at this stage. No. It's that type of thing, though, isn't it? Like... James. If Barker Barker looks like the type of player that wants to drill into the box, get a shot away yeah. or cut inside, but he he has taken it down the the wing, but the final ball hasn't ever quite been there. But yeah, there was a few times it, yesterday, wasn't there, where Barker did actually hit the byline, and when he tried to pull it back, Matty Taylor was almost at the back post um, instead of kind of in 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 around the the penalty spot. Um, yeah, I think there's obviously a bit of a misunderstanding between some of the some of the some of the types of play that we're you know into the positions we're getting into put the ball into Taylor because I do feel like a few times I've noticed in the last few games where we've been playing a little bit more direct and I don't necessarily think it suits Taylor to be played like that. I think if you look back to last season where um, Taylor and Henry were playing extremely well together, one thing that they had in common was they were close to each other. They were close to each other yeah, quite a lot yeah. of the time. You know, Henry came inside a lot and they were playing really neat football around the edge of the box. And that was where a lot of the goals came from. I mean, yeah, you can look at some of the crosses that that um, Henry put in for Taylor as well, like the one at Portsmouth where, you know, he stuck it, that absolute incredibly curling back post cross where Taylor nodded it in. Um, but a lot of the time they were very close to each other. And I feel like we kind of lack, or Taylor doesn't have that player to come close to him. I think Elliot Lee started to do it a little bit. Um, before his injury, um, because Elliot that's, that's literally players, what think, I yeah that's literally what I put in the notes was that a uh, Henry and Lee more the type of player that Taylor needs because they've yeah. got that vision they they're not going to have the pace to take people on so they need to get their head head up and look for that kind of cutting pass yeah and Matty Taylor is one of those players who loves to play on the on the last defender. You know he's one of those people who does run into those spaces, which is where he will get a lot of his goals from. Um, it's just, yeah, I do feel like without either Henry on on his game because he hasn't really been the best this season, or without Lee in the team, I do feel like Taylor does struggle a little bit. And I and I'm eating my words here as well from the last time I was on the podcast about Sam Winnell, um, because obviously I was you know, the first person to criticise him a bit, but he came out of his shell really well before he got injured again. And I was only saying this. He heard you, didn't he? He did, yeah. He said it. Yeah, good. Um, I was listening to a friend of mine last night saying that, you know, even even yesterday, I feel like Sam Winner would be on the pitch if he if he he'd start in my eyes at the moment if it if uh, if he wasn't injured because Taylor's really you know really is struggling. Um, Yeah, the interesting thing as well is like he's come it, Jack. What what I was listening to wasn't at the game, and I think it was Mike Ford who was saying that it's it's obvious that. 
Taylor is a isolated a lot of the time and b and because of that he kind of drops quite deep and so it means on the transition I hate saying this but on the transition like when <laughs> as we're breaking and like Connor was saying Barker get just flies forward gets to the byline crosses it in Taylor's just like either the only man there or he's just making his way into the box late type thing yeah. I, I don't know so. I don't profess to be any kind of football tactician or manager whatsoever, but in my simplistic view of the world, when you've got a, a tricky, pacey winger like Barker, you could do with playing two up front because then you're always likely to have at least one target man to aim for, especially mm. whereas, obviously, at the minute, Taylor likes to drop a bit deeper to try and get involved because there's not a Henry or a Lee behind him knitting things together. He feels like almost like he's got to do that. And um, we generally this season haven't got many bodies in the box. So if Taylor's dropping deeper or coming onto it late because he's been involved in the play further up the pitch or further back down the pitch, there is a lot of times, and I'd say a lot when we watch on iFollow, there's no one in the box, there's no one in the box, there's no one in the box. Um, but yeah. equally, that you know that is Robinson's way, so... We're going to play the three with the kind of two wider players in a Taylor or Winnell or or maybe Adji now. Um, and the hope is that one of your midfielders is that late arriving player. I think Cam Brannigan's starting to put that back in his in his locker. Yeah. Um, they haven't said about his injury from last night yet, how bad that is or not. Um, but yeah, it's it's a strange one because Matty Taylor's a goal scorer, isn't he? And all goal scorers go through these patches. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, I don't think he's getting panic button time. Yeah, I still don't think he's getting the service that he needs to do what he does best. But I also don't think he's helping himself with his positioning and not playing off, like not playing off the defender's shoulder type yeah. thing. But we'll have to just but, see. I just hope hope he gets on a run. Again. Yeah, you, you can see that that he's struggling because he comes deeper to get the ball. You can see that's yeah. like one of the it's one of the key signs for me with Matty Taylor when you see him hunting. And like, you know, coming deep because he wants the football. You can tell that it's just like, it's not working out for him. He's not getting the service that he needs because he's kind of craving just some touches of the ball. Um, but no, I, I don't think it's panic stations yet. I think Matty Taylor will still come good. I still love the bloke. I, mean, I, still, yeah. rate, so I still rate him. I mean, Christ, you know, I'm not going to, you know, just because he's had a few couple, few bad games. Um, I think he'll come good. And the good thing is, is uh, there are other players in the team that can score goals. And that's an important thing to say. We're not relying on one man to do it all. Because if we were, you know, we'd be screwed. <laughs> True. Maybe we need um, to bring a target man. Maybe a George Waring can... Uh, a George, George Waring. <laughs> um, so we then... Uh, we're still kind of on a good unbeaten run at this point, but then we played Pompey. Well, I say good unbeaten run. We obviously lost to Donny, but we played Pompey at home. Um, big game. Didn't play particularly well in this one at all. Um, they scored just after half time. We had a really rubbish like 25, 30 minutes, which KR acknowledged afterwards. It was a decent goal from them, arriving late, funnily enough, header. Um, Jack again, like thoughts. The thing I noticed more than anything was that was their that's their only win, Portsmouth, in their last seven games. So they've lost to Sunderland. They've lost 4-1. I forgot. They lost 4-1 to Northampton. Lost to Donny. Um, drew with Gillingham. And then before we played them, they'd lost to Blackpool and Bristol Rovers. So 
on the face of it is yeah maybe I get too obsessed with looking at fixtures but I always I always find it annoying when you lose to a team and then they're just on a terrible run afterwards but yeah. yeah we we didn't really turn up in that game did we until the last five ten minutes I think was it Shadipo yeah. had a chance and more on the line and yeah, you know the on, made on a, a decent save. yeah on another day we'd have nicked a point probably an undeserved one but yeah Pompey are a funny side under Kenny Jacket anyway they seem to have like runs the where beaver. they don't pick up many points yeah the beaver um so i mean can i just i just need to clarify that anyone <laughs> listening there isn't a man that looks more like a beaver than kenny jacket just there's got to be if you go on google images there'll have to be a comparison somewhere the beaver sorry jack i, I can't get that out of my head <laughs> um, yeah i mean the 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 positive thing about Pompey losing to us is that when we win, we gain ground on them and they're the team we're chasing at the minute. So, you know, peaks and troughs. Yeah, true. Um, we then went to MK and they scored a bit of a... It was a kind of a bunch of deflections meant it landed at Sermon's feet and he scored from the edge of the box. And then it took us, Connor, until the 97th minute for us to throw bodies forward again. A bit quite similar to the Pompey game, and but Elliot Lee gets his head on something. Um yeah. Thank God he did. And as well, decent. Yeah. It was just one of those we games. Deserved a point. We, deserved yeah. a point though, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say it was one of those games that we just that we didn't deserve to lose it, did we? So um yeah, it's still very frustrating. Um but yeah, I mean the, the thing that I think was the most frustrating thing in the whole game was how that goalkeeper stayed on the pitch. Um <laughs> because oh honestly, how the referee can see that as a yellow card. Um it was Adji, wasn't it? It was knocked it past him. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, Adji, yeah. Yeah, Adji, you know, he knocked the ball past him and Adji's stride, he was definitely going to get onto that ball once he'd knocked it around the goalkeeper and he was by far the last man. The goalkeeper's outside his penalty area and somehow he's got away with the yellow card there. It's just... It's, it's one of them, though, where it doesn't didn't probably really impact the game because if they had... It was the 84th minute or something when that happened. So yeah. and we were still 1-0 down. So they are probably just going to chuck all their players behind the ball anyway but yeah. it, it was just a crazy moment wasn't it the ref just bottled it like completely yeah. um but yeah so a draw in that one and then we're loving the draws from and we were aside i think we were we'd had like barely any draws right for the first like third of generally the first third of the season and then we just started chomping away at them and then we played peterborough at home this was Jack really good performance, wasn't it? I think it was one of the best nil nils I've seen for a long time. Um, and again, it was a game where we absolutely deserved something from it. And Jack Stevens made a couple of kind of crucial saves late on. But I thought the press was really good in this game. Peterborough, obviously top of the league, um, they'd won six in a row coming into it. It was a, it was a great performance, wasn't it? Yeah, it's one of them where we did the good stuff defensively and in attack we we stopped their game pretty much you know got some very dangerous players in Dembele and Smodix and Clark Harris and Clark Harris didn't really have a sniff apart from the overhead kick that would have been a worldie Um, and yeah there was positive signs again there Brannigan was a bit more involved the wingers were in and out of the game and you know another day we might have nicked that as well so again all these games were really similar there were some bright sparks and some more concerning aspects of, of, of all of the games. But um, as we've now seen, it's kind of all built to a bit of a 
uh, crescendo with, with last night's game. Yeah. And the final thing to say, Charlton on Saturday, Connor, Jack Stevens mm-hmm. started his um, penalty-saving exploits. <laughs> but it was, that, that, that game actually was, it wasn't, Peterborough was a good performance and a well-earned point. Charlton felt like we dropped two points and it would have been a travesty if, if yeah. they'd have got that winner at the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, another, another frustrating one. But I think, like you say, without dwelling on it too much, you know, looking, looking at, onto the 93rd minute with the penalty save. I mean, Jack Stevens has really pulled one out of the bag there, any for us. You know, he's been absolutely fantastic since he's come into the side. Um, we're, um, these words I'm saying now are literally going to be echoed in a, in a couple of minutes' time when we talk about the Swindon performance. But, yeah, I think, you know, Stevens has been brilliant and that penalty save was absolutely massive because, you know, losing that game, then going into a derby game, it's another one where, you know, potentially heads are dropped. Um, we don't need that. So, you know, Jack did fantastically, fantastically well yeah. to, to stop that. And it was a good penalty it's save fun. as well. Do you know what I mean? Like these, you know, there, there are some penalties uh, that, that we talked about earlier. Yeah. yeah, you know, you could talk about a goalkeeper saving a penalty. Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty decent. But sometimes they're proper worldy saves, aren't they? <laughs> From 12 yards. And, well, and the just... fact that he got that one over the bar yeah. as well. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I, it, was, it was just an amazing save that. Yeah. I thought Brett, I thought Pittman in the Swindon game, tell it, I said it on whilst we were watching it, I called where he was putting it just based on his run-up. And yeah. I said, I knew it was the same start. He telegraphed it and moved about one mile an hour up to the ball. So it was just like, oh, he's going to put it. <laughs> but it was still, you know, he's still got to save it. It was amazing. Yeah, um, I think I think it's credit also to to the the goalkeeping team. You know, Wayne Brown and, and Yeah, Wayne Eastwood. Brown, yeah. Yeah, and Eastwood as well, I imagine. You know, they they, they do a lot of their homework and clearly it's paid off in the last two games for us. Um, you know, Jack's obviously got a ball to save off, but if he has an idea of, of where that ball's going in the first place based on the, the players taking it because of the, the analysis that's gone on before that, then, you know, that's only working in his favour. So credit credit to them. Yeah, for sure. And Stevens has been critical, I guess, um, since he's come in in terms of some of his performances and key kind of, point winning saves that's not just the penalties you know actual you know that again like I said at the end of Peterborough another example of that um Jack we were saying when we were watching one of the games the other day you kind of hear with all these draws you keep hearing people say well it's a good point if you win the next game and then we draw the next game and someone say well it's a good point if you win the next game and then we draw the next game and then finally we got the win and uh it happened to come against those scummy bastards up the well down the A420. Um, but I want to start. We're, we're on to Swindon now, right? Thirty-five minutes in. Okay, we got lots of time. But <laughs> let's start with the we, we just we turned on the footage. We were watching it, and then what they were watering the puddles. Like what were they? What were they doing? They had sand. It was as if someone had come on, and there was a flood brewing. So they just poured sand all over the pitch, and then they started flooding the absolute shit out of it. <laughs> like they were, and then people talked about it being a leveler. What is what is that nonsense? Like, who's? Yeah. Do you reckon it's just they just pull people off the street with forks and said, "Can you be the groundsman?" I just don't. <laughs> I if, thought if, the, it's yeah. not int- <laughs> I thought the corner flags were hilarious because it was like a sand pit, and then the corner flags were like the flags on top of a sandcastle because they were appalling, weren't they? Absolute wow. To be honest with you, the rest of Swindon's a shit hole, so there's no different that their pitch is going to be shit as well. Uh, you know, well, I, I think I can say that comfortably on an Oxygen United podcast because every listener's going to agree with me saying that. Uh, but, but yeah, 
Jay, what did you like straight away? I think we were saying that is a that's going to be a leveler, and and it's you know as soon as the game kicked off, five ten. I, I suppose we went one nil up after like three minutes. But yeah, I that, guess the first that came from if like if you actually look back from behind the goal, the way the ball bounces off the surface is down to the whatever and earth. It wasn't grass, whatever they'd got on it. <laughs> um, like. Uh, they, I was looking, they won pitch of the year in League Two a couple of seasons ago. So I don't know what on earth's gone on since then. It was unbelievable because no one could play the long ball properly because it's like they were chipping out of a bunker on the golf course. Yeah. Like Jack yeah. Stevens' um, more <laughs> longer longer clearances were kind of proper, everyone, everyone's were looping up in the air. And we kept talking on the on the call whilst we were watching it, saying it looks like it's really windy, but it was just this kind yeah. of chipped looping effect that everyone was getting because they couldn't follow through properly without their foot disappearing well sort your bloody pitch out swindon i'm trying to work out if that's going to help them in other games just to level teams down to their terrible level because they look like a horrendous team players like cadis and all sorts and (laughs) anyway i I, I, I saw I, i saw i saw someone on twitter um, yesterday saying that that is one of the worst Swindon teams that we've ever played against and it's just it's just an absolute travesty that that right. team managed to beat us earlier in the season like, it's an we absolute don't have to joke. think about that anymore. I know I know I know, I know, I know, I know. thankfully I don't, I don't want you know, to. normal normal things were resumed <laughs> last night I, I'm confident they're going to go down yeah. but I like I say I actually think that shocking pitch might work in their favour but we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, great start with Barker's goal. Um, needed to get you know get ahead early, get some kind of foothold on the game. A bit of a deflection in there, but you know we'll take it. Um, Elliot Moore kind of had a free header, didn't he? At one point, oh, where yeah. and we were just going, God, you got yeah, that. That's got to go in. Yeah, yeah. But you could see it in his frustration afterwards. Um, I mean, he got it on target, but yeah, it was quite a comfortable save. Um, the referee, the referee in this game was a bit of a mentalist, wasn't it, yeah, Jack? He, I suppose when we were watching it, like he was, he was, it was as if he was kind of signalling planes in, and he was just taking sight. <laughs> remember when he booked when he booked Sykes? He just said like sent Sykes away, like hundred meters away, and then just chased him down the pitch to give him. A, it was it was just a bit of a weird. And then Brannigan was injured at one point, wasn't he? And he just kept on lingering around him. Um, it was just, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I actually thought the referee was all right. You know? oh. no, 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 hear me out, hear me out. Just given the emotion that was behind the game, I think he did manage it quite well. Um, but you are right. The, the Brannigan thing was weird. Like, he literally just kept, like, walking one side just to him. Just touching him. Yeah, kept touching him. Yeah, kept touching him. Limiting him to, like, crawl off the pitch. And it was like, that's yeah. not how it works. He's, getting, he's injured. Like... <laughs> he's getting treated with, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I thought he did all right. But it, made, it, it was interesting, the... Um, Carl Robinson's comments at the end of the game when he said that Sykes should have been sent off for his... For his yeah, I, did. His I don't in. understand that. I, don't, I didn't see that. Where did he leave his foot in? See, I, we disagreed in a friendly way. I thought he should have gone. He knew, I, I thought he knew exactly what he was doing in that he was turning away from the ball and wasn't going to get it, so he left his foot in there. It's a bit like Marcus Brown got sent off. At, was it Warsaw last season for doing exactly the same thing? Yeah, this is like kind of leaving they, the foot in, but their, their player should have gone as well for me. So that's the idea. Well, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, I wasn't convinced that that challenge on a little more was that bad. 
I, the bloke, the bloke was not. It wasn't two footed for a start. Anyone who says it was two footed, blind, because there was no way that was two footed. Um, it was yeah, okay. It wasn't a great challenge, but it definitely wasn't a red card. I don't think Sykes he was. Either, that, but, that guy from but, their team though was rolling around looking for it, uh, and then he went yeah. and put his nun outfit on afterwards. <laughs> and his head. It's that lad who looks like AJ Tracy that played left back for them. Is it Thompson? Is that his name? Is that his, is that him? No, uh, I don't no. What's his name? I can't remember what his name was, but the lad, yeah, the lad he played left back for them. He was, uh, oh Christ. Wasn't Sykes laughing at him at one yeah, point? I forget. Yeah. I, I, all I can just imagine is Sykes talking in his in his disgusting Belfast accent, just proper going at him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. It's great. Um, so they eventually, I think we were obviously calling it and saying this is feeling quite similar to the the home fixture in that we were kind of bossing it. We didn't look in trouble. I think the only thing that was troubling us was Ruffles was having a little bit of a hard time first half, wasn't mm, he? he? That was, guy yeah. was running around him quite a bit. And his one rough like his one on one defending sometimes actually to be fair, he had really good games, I think like was it Ipswich, I think, away. He did really well and he, he came I think he was probably our man of the match. So it seems to be up and down, but he definitely had a bit of a torrid time. I think they, I think they said on the radio last night that he keeps the right winger of the opposition in the last few games always seems to be their best player. So it's always Ruffles ending up having to take it's Garrick last night, it was Ethan Laird against MK, um someone else Dembele. against Ipswich. Dembele yeah, Dembele as well against the Peterborough. But actually, in the, in those games, we've only conceded the what the one goal. Yeah. So he yeah. he he's he's got he's just not that quick. So he often gets kind of dribbled past. But he seems to have this good ability to kind of get himself in the way again to yeah. not as it necessarily stop a cross, but make a simple cross harder. Yeah, I was going to say he's actually very good at making a late challenge. It, you're, he's one of those players that you'll almost think that the winger's got him and then he'll snatch the ball away from him at the last minute. And also he's quite good at pushing his winger inside, which actually is often quite a good thing because pushing them inside pushes them into one of our players. Because um, obviously, you know, you've got the covering, covering centre-back who would, this, you know, playing on the left-hand side would be Atkinson. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, th- I do think Ruffles is a good defender. You know, give, give him his due. And he is a good defender. And like you say, he just lacks that pace, doesn't he? But that's something that he's never going to get, you know, you can only be so fast. Um, although, actually, there's a bit of a strange thing to say, considering Sam Long has somehow managed to find a ridiculous <laughs> amount of pace this season he's never had before. But, but uh, yeah, that's a it's, different, it's different topic. It's worth saying, actually, when we, I, I didn't really mention when we were talking about all the draws and results earlier that, yeah, when, when was the last time? We couldn't keep, keep any clean sheets, could we? For We were breaking records earlier on the season, 20-odd games without a clean sheet or something. So it, I, we're definitely glossing over the fact that the back line seems to be a lot more solid now. Um, and we've got that foundation to kind of build from. And it's good that we're, I guess it's good that we're picking up points, but the frustration is we're not, the front line then aren't getting the odd goal and nick, so we're nicking games. Um, mm. But at least we're then still picking up draws. Um, so yeah, penalty to Swindon. We we kind of called that it will happen, you know, as, as everyone probably was, was there watching, just dreading the worst. Um, and again, the pitch was so unpredictable that you just didn't know what you just could see a mistake coming. I still don't, to, the, to this moment, really understand what happened for the penalty. It was, it was Matty Taylor, wasn't it? Put his arms all over the the, the field player, I think it was, for Swindon. It's kind of like blocked. The footage was like block, a bit blocked, though, wasn't it? I didn't know. I so was it Taylor? Yeah, it was Taylor. Yeah, it was definitely Taylor. Yeah, it was. He, he had his arm blocking the run of one of the players and then he fell over. But again, it's one of those things that Taylor, what, what are you doing? Like, what you're not, why are you defending so deep back there? 
um, and putting your arms across people. It was a bit frustrating to see it because it's just a necessary thing to do. It, um, it, yeah, it, but, it came from us giving a lot of free kicks away. Well, giving free kicks away and Swindon playing for free kicks on the halfway line and loading the ball into our box because that was the only way they were going to get any joy. And yeah. we kept giving free kicks away. So like you say, the, that 10-minute spell, you just thought, oh, God, they, they could get back into this. They're starting to, you know, at least attempt to play the ball into our box. And But as, as we saw and as we commented before, um, Pittman rather telegraphed his entire run and a relatively comfortable save for Stevens, but obviously you've got to give him credit and again the goalkeeping team credit for knowing where it was going. Yep, absolutely. And obviously we're we're buzzing after that. Uh, Matty Taylor comes off for for Dan, and we'll get we'll get onto your beautiful stats in a second, Jack. But <laughs> there, there was a, so he came on and so did um, Chambers Paralon. Paralon. Um, at the same time, and that was that was an interesting call in itself. Um, the, there was as Aji broke through, Chambers, he let's call him was also breaking through through the center of the pitch. And oh, yeah. I think ninety nine percent of Oxford fans are going <laughs> pass, pass it, pass, pass it, pass yeah. it, pass it. And then he just he drills <laughs> drills it into the far corner. And I think we all just erupted. Erupted. It was yeah. unbelievable. Like what? There was such a good moment. And I think. So many of the fans, it's amazing how fickle we are as football fans, really, especially with like Aji. Uh, like he was written off, he was frozen out. Everyone's saying, you know, he, isn't, he can't put his fucking shin pads on one week and then he's back <laughs> a few weeks, back a few weeks later. And he's, um, <laughs> he's, he's scoring, scoring a goal like that. And it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? That kind of zero to hero thing. I've, but yeah. he definitely gives us something different, doesn't he? And Jack, you did. You did that analysis, didn't you, mate? And you you looked at I couldn't believe like I always knew in the back of my head that Burton game, that South End game where he comes on and within a couple of minutes he's scored. And I heard Jerome very much like this on the wasn't it the game show afterwards. He definitely referred to it. But what what were the games that he Yeah, so he, he scored eight goals for us um since he joined and, and five of those have been off the bench. So his first goal for us was at South End, where he came on in the 86th minute and scored basically with his first touch. It was that mazy run. Um, Burton away last year, he came on 62 and scored about a minute later. Shrewsbury, the 3-2 game, the last game, before it all got paused. Um, he obviously came on and scored that Wildey two minutes later. Northampton this season, he came on in the last five minutes and scored in stoppage time. And obviously last night, again, he scored with his first touch. And he seems to be one of those players that the fresher he is into a game, the less time he's got to think about what he wants to do. So he doesn't think, he just goes with it. And sometimes when he's been on longer, he starts to think about it more and almost becomes not a bad player, but a less effective player. Yeah. When did he... He started against... Did he start against Charlton recently? He started one of the games, didn't he, that we drew nil-nil. Was it his... I think it think, was. I think it was Trumpton, Yeah, I think it was. But he, either way, in whatever game, yeah, it was because they were playing in blue and they looked like Peterborough, didn't they, or something? And we were like, "Why are Charlton playing in blue?" But I remember he was causing whilst he didn't score, their centre backs were like running into each other and stuff because he was just in and around them, playing like rolling off the shoulders, and he was causing havoc. And it still looks, he still at times looks like 
when he gets the ball and he hasn't got clear, clear space to run into, he doesn't always know what he's going to do with it. Whereas, you know, like think about the goal against um, Rochdale away where he started this season as well. The ball just fell to his feet, just kicks it. And then like think about this guy, he, the ball's in front of him. He's just got free space to run into, get a shot away. Like he, yeah. I, feel, I feel like that's where he's more dangerous. You know, he's, he's really dangerous. And it's it's about the rest of his play, isn't it? It's, he's really good at holding it up as well. But there's just the odd moment where his decision-making isn't quite there. But like, he's definitely a massive threat, Connor, isn't he? Like yeah. He's, he's going to get better. I mean, we talk about him being frozen out, but I definitely think there's been some work going on behind the scenes with him. You know, even if that's not just on the pitch, I mean, off the pitch as well, you know, obviously psychologically, because he just yeah. looks, he just looks a little, I don't know, it's a bit, a bit more of an edge to him. Um, he's got short sleeves now, I know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's chopped his sleeves off, and now look at it. A bit him. harder, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, for me, I mean, the goal yesterday was obviously fantastic. It was a really great finish. You know, you look look at the goal from a technical standpoint, and it's a great goal. You know, straight, you know, laces, right across the goalkeeper, tucked right into the side net, and it was a great goal. Um, yeah. And I really like the footage that was posted on on the Oxford United social media pages of of the kind of reaction to that goal when it hit the back of the net. And runs, like, yeah. Off. Yeah, and he runs off to the corner flag, and, and as he does this little, like, like kind of shoulder shrug thing, and <laughs> you, you hear the whole, you hear every player run up to him just screaming, yes! Daddy boy, daddy boy. Like it was just, it was brilliant. It was so good. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Fair, fair play to Adjun. Yeah, he, you know, he's kind of gone, like you say, zero to hero. But he's he's scoring in the scoring in the derby full stop is um, it's a big thing to do. You know, we always remember those goals. You know, but we always remember the Robbie Hall goal. Yeah, we, always exactly. remember, you know, I, I, we always remember I, the tap in that that Circum scored. Yeah, Ollie Johnson. Yeah, exactly. We we all remember these goals. So Dan Adji scoring that goal, he will be remembered now, whether he stays in Oxford or not for years to come. So, yeah. you know, he's written himself into history there. So fair play to the lad. Excellent stuff. Makes me smile all of this chat. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Um, it? It's good. KR was referencing after the game that, you know, a derby's not a derby without a typical kind of shit yourself finale at the end. <laughs> and so Swindon obviously get a goal back and Stevens makes a little bit of a, blunder where he comes to collect it and would need to kind of have two holograms in front of him to do so and they're not holograms they're humans and then he, he can't get the ball. KR made um, me laugh at that comment because if we would have won 2 nil, he would have never have said anything like that he just did yeah, it to cover his, he just said it to cover his own back didn't he? He just went oh we conceded but we, we did it because because the fans needed to bite their nails off We're like, Yeah, speaking <laughs> of answer, the it was inevitable that the whole mug and t-shirt oh, <laughs> would just be yeah, running around Twitter. So that I, re- I really enjoyed. Someone just had a white, blank white t-shirt with Dan Adji's face on it with some terror, like someone had gone into <laughs> and written two ones. So that's <laughs> and just the, 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 the I, car I, I love it so much. I can't explain how much I love that Swindon did that. And then yeah. just the reaction of their fan base when they did it, are just please, they're all just like, please, please take this off, please. Yeah. There was not, not one person in the club that was like, this is a bad, this is a bad idea. But um, thank Christ we've stopped the run. Yeah, I like the one yeah. with the 2-1 with on it, where it just says, but at least we got a penalty. Just to wrap this up, did, did you guys see the footage 
of KR after the game in the huddle. I think the club's deleted it actually, alongside the yeah. um, the banter around the mug. You know, there was like a screen grab of like someone yeah. messaging the club shop or something. I kind of thought that was a little bit tug of cheap. Uh, they should the KR, the KR like video. I love I love that. I watched yeah. it like ten times. Same. I did this morning. It was pro- just it just get. I don't know. There's something about him. You know, I, I've. I've got a really good mate of mine who's who's a scouser and I texted him today with that video and I said that uh, you've got competition for being my favourite scouser because Carl Robinson just it just seems like he just goes up and up and up in my estimations every every week you know a couple of well, I think it was two weeks ago where he had the interview about mental health um, which he spoke absolutely brilliantly about um, and then there's this this video obviously of him I've been talking for running for the badge and this sort of thing. And yeah, okay, just, some people might think it's a cliche, but he's just, there's just something about him. There's just the passions there. He cares, he cares deeply about our club. And that is something that any fan, you know, can appreciate that. No, he's brilliant. Yeah. It was, I, I thought it was a class, a class. And it's not, it's really not easy to stand, stand in front of people and do that and be that motivator. You know, I can't, I can't imagine the beaver at Portsmouth doing that for example <laughs> anyway um on to, uh, <laughs> it's just, i i'm i'm really i'm really chuffed with kr and i have to say hey you know i don't want to go back to it too much but jack i was saying to you the other day you know when kr was talking about mickey lewis um in the build-up um the other day and it was for someone that he can't have known he probably was would have met and know of mickey but like never mickey never worked under carl but just under he just gets it doesn't he he knows the right how to i know he has times when he's a bit too emotional and stuff but he gets it and the the way he spoke about mickey and the way he talked about how the club needing supports family and everything else it was just um he's he's just brilliant at the moment isn't he he has the ability to say things as if he's already thought about them for a long time, but straight off the bat. So in in interviews where he gets asked questions which are not known, he has this just fantastic ability to answer it in a kind of um, really emotionally stable, realistic, um, but kind of proper way. It's not just like a staple, oh, I've got to say this, so I'll say it. It, it is with meaning. Um, yeah, and you know, you just touched on it there. He does have this very emotional side that you normally see straight after a game. But for things like Mickey Lewis, for the Oxford fans who passed away recently, who he commented on near their funerals and all bits and pieces, he just he does care. Like for a little bit when he first came in, I thought he was putting it on a little bit to be like, oh, I do care about this club. Yeah. But here it's we are, what, three years later, is it? And you know, he does care. It is genuine. Yeah. Um, lovely stuff. So, League One, then, um, a couple of things to call out before we get onto the table, like results wise. Burton Albion, Jack, they're on a crazy run, aren't they, at the moment? What's that? Is that four or five wins in a row or something? I, I think it's since Hasselbank came in, it's seven wins in nine. So, they've, they've gone from the being. Five, yeah, yeah Sean, they've gone Sean from Claire being. The Sean Clare effect. They've, it's not Hasselbeck, uh, it's Sean Clare. Yeah, they get me started they've on Sean from Clare. Being, they've been gone from being rock bottom to 
four points above the relegation zone with two games in hand. Yeah, that's crazy. And Sean Clare is now the most booked player in the league. Go on, Sean. Loving it. Is he still? He's still playing centre mid as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's played one, two, eight games to Burton and got four bookings. That's that's Goran-esque. I wonder if we keep an eye. Do you reckon someone at Oxford is watching reruns of their games to see how he's getting on, or do you reckon? Is that a stupid question? I'd be curious. I imagine they will be. It's a very interesting one to see what they do in the summer, though. If you know, you assume Brannigan stays. You, does Henry get a new contract? There's a lot of midfielders who could go out the door, and that gives him an opportunity to play in midfield, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, other results: Accrington lost four-one at Bristol, which is quite a surprise after their form of late. Um. Lincoln and Ipswich drew. Hull beat Peterborough three-one away, but Peterborough went into half-time with ten men. Um, so that explains that. Plymouth have kind of fallen away a bit, haven't they as well? And then um, Gillingham and Fleetwood would, would have been a tight affair. And then, as we kind of talked about earlier, Pompey's kind of pretty poor form uh, all round, apart from obviously beating us. Um, they lost to Sunderland, and Sunderland are on the rise, aren't they? With Lee Johnson, mm-hmm. it looks like. Yeah. I, kind of, I think that looks like a decent kind of pairing. This might yeah. be their season this year. They might finally get out. Um, yeah. I really hope they don't, mind you. But, yeah, I think, I think I mean, looking at our position now, obviously in ninth, two points off the playoffs, um, given the fact we've had, you know, relatively poor poor results um, recently, obviously, other than the Swindon game. Um, I think we're, we're looking in an all right position. You know, the playoffs are certainly not out of reach. Um, for, for for the end of the season, but I do think there's it's going to be very tight this season. There's some really good teams uh, that are playing some good football up the top, up the top of the league. I I, I, I kind of hope that Portsmouth continue their way forward run though. I just hope it's not a case that we're playing for one place in sixth and we can play yeah. one more because at the moment it looks like we're playing for one, and the yeah. only way to change that is to go on one of these kind of mini runs, isn't it? Um, well, you say that, but if we beat Doncaster Tuesday, for example. We'd we'd reel them back in. Yeah, true. But I, I I just noticed Blackpool are only two points behind us and they've got two games in hand. And look at their form. Yeah. Like, yeah. So they, they're, they're four off points off six with three games in hand. So they're a bit of a team that could sneak in there from some way back, really. Yeah. I can't believe Rochdale as well are like falling away at the bottom of the league because they still played for you know, I still think they played some decent football. Um but there you go. Anyway, right, let's talk about incoming games. We've got Hull on Saturday and then um, Donny again. So Hull's away and then Donny at home the following Tuesday. So Jack, Hull preview? Yeah, so I haven't played at Hull since January 2004. And I, I, I think I've said this before on this pod probably yeah. numerous times. We lost 4-2. Um, we went on to Bottleby in top of the league, missed out on the playoffs. Hull got promoted, then promoted again. Um, then ended up in the Premier League whilst we were playing at Barrow. Um, <laughs> I still, I still see that day as a bit of a turning point in the like last ten year history. But obviously, here yeah. we are, and we're arguably the club on the up, and there they've had a bit of a bumpy ride. Um, they're in good form, sadly. So they've come off the back of four straight wins where they've conceded just the once. But prior to that, they'd only won once in six. So they, they seem to put little runs together and then some bad runs as well. 
Um, for example, they lost to, well, they were one of the Burton's wins. Um, they lost to MK and, and Ipswich, but equally they beat Peterborough last night. Um, they've scored the most goals in the league, but they've only actually only scored 19 at home. So they've scored 40 goals away from home. Um, really? Yeah, scored 40 away, but 19 at home. But they've only That's conceded weird. nine at home, so their 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 home games are pretty low scoring. Um, that's that's a really weird stat. They've scored double the amount of goals away, and they played seventeen at home and eighteen away. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a peculiar one, especially without fans. You wouldn't have thought home yeah. goal scoring would be an issue. Um, their squad, they improved in January. They brought in quite a few players. Um, Dan Crowley, who we had on loan for a little bit under Appleton. Um, Gavin, yeah, he got he got sent back, didn't he, for being a bit of a... Yeah, a bit of one dick. of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they've now got the kind of squad, which means Tom Eves generally sits on the bench. Josh Emmanuel, who's a good fullback, generally sits on the bench. Josh McGuinness didn't even get in the squad last night and he's got 10 goals this season. Um so they've got good players right across it. Uh, George Matt, Honeyman racking up the assists as yeah, well. Yeah, so he's got 12 assists, uh, most in the league. Um, Malik, Malik Wilkes is a bag in form with eight goals in his last seven games. And Gavin White scored three and ten since he joined in January. So, Where does, does Honeyman play out of interest in centre midfield? He plays, they play a kind of 4-2-3-1 and he fluctuates between being the kind of number 10 role, I'd guess you'd say, or a little bit deeper. That's um, interesting, that the central role. He was at Sunderland, wasn't he? Like, yeah. But he... That 12 assists for a central player. Like that, we don't have anything like that, do we? Like, <laughs> We talk about assists from wide men, but it's amazing to see they've got um, 12 assists from someone in the central position. That's where you kind of always talked about, or we've always talked about, could Elliot Lee be something like that in a 10 or could James Henry one day do that but that's that's impressive stuff yeah so they're they're a good side obviously they're banging form but it's the kind of game that you almost fancy us to go and um, give it a real good go I think their pitch is pretty awful as well so that'll be another one we can have a discussion about next time lots of sand <laughs> um, it'll be cold because <laughs> it's always cold up there um, I mean you always say you'd take a point away from home at the league leaders, wouldn't you? And I think this yeah. isn't any different. Yeah. Home game on Tuesday to follow it. So, yeah, I'd I'd take a point. Um, yeah, I'd also take I a point haven't a clue well. what, what version of us is going to turn up. We've seen a very kind of scrappy version of us in recent games. Brief flirtations are looking quite play? good. Anyone who's fit, which isn't many, many of them exactly. at the minute. <laughs> Elliot Lee supposed to be back though. Is Brannigan apparently Brannigan's on the ropes and who else? Shadipo as well. Shadipo, yeah. So it might it might be a kind of knitting a team together again. But Elliot Lee being back is good for reasons we've discussed about his ability to link into Taylor. Hopefully. Um, so Taylor, yeah, well, is, it, is it Taylor or is it Aji? Well, yeah. Yeah, um, I still think it's Taylor. Yeah, I so think do I. just 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 for, for what we've spoken about um, earlier about Aji coming off the bench and scoring goals, I think that's one reason why, and also because Matt Taylor, yeah, it's a big game. 
Uh, I still still bank on him. You know, if 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 the ball was to fall on him in this in six yard books or even inside the area, you still bank on him at the target. So he just doesn't really have many of those chances. So hopefully a few of those fall for him. Um, or we manufacture some chances for him, to be honest with you. That would be nicer. Instead of the odd the odd thing falling for him, I'd actually like to see us manufacture something for him. Um and hopefully he'll he'll, he'll bag one. Uh, it would do, do wonders for his confidence, especially if he scores against the league, league leaders. Um, but yeah. Surely the game's going to be open. Like, this is going to be a game where we should be able to counter, right? It'd be interesting to see what they do if we've got... If they're generally low-scoring games as well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But having... if You imagine Barker's going to start. Was, and then if you had Adji as well, potentially, then you've you know you've got some terrifying pace on the counter if we yeah. so needed it. I was going to say, what do you... Th- Oh, how do you guys feel about um, coming up against Gavin White again? Well, it'll be up against Josh Ruffles, won't he? So there's yet another tricky yeah. one for Ruffles to face. That's true. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think White... I was never quite convinced White was as good as we all thought he was. I think he he did things in spells in terms of he was good for three games, then missing for three games, then good for three... But he's he's a he's a fast winger. And at this level, they're always going to cause problems a couple of times yeah. every match. Yeah. Um, but you'd hope Ruffles, having trained with him for the best part of a year, would potentially have one over him. Um, yeah, I think that they've got Wilkes is the one for me. Seventeen goals and a couple of assists. I think yeah, you know we, we've got our work cut yeah. out dealing with their front three. Predictions then? What are you saying? Draw? Uh, uh, one one. Yeah, yeah one, I'm one. thinking one one as well. We go nil yeah. nil. Oh, good nil nil. Nice one. Peter Varesque, nil nil. Uh, right, Donny. We've got Donny on Tuesday, so we probably won't pod until after both these games anyway. But D- Darren Moore, since since we, I guess our last pod, we were reviewing the Donny game, so it's funny to be talking about it again. <laughs> Darren Moore um, has since left them, gone to Chef Wednesday, which is just a potential graveyard of a job, given their position in the championship lost his first game I think it was was it Mark Ansell that referred to it as the who's going to play Oxford United next season derby um <laughs> but yeah Freddie Freddie to be fair they could both be in uh, uh league one next year and hopefully we're in the championship anyway but we'll see I know what he was getting at anyway um but yeah Rotherham won that in the 97th minute in his first game and then they've they've since lost to, to Reading 3-0 seven points off safety for Wednesday but anyway, Andy Butler came in, and I think I'm right in saying he's he's their player. He's a centre back, isn't he? That used to play for them, and then he's stepped up. He's essentially put his hung his boots up, and now he's their he's their manager. Um, it's interesting with what's his face there. You know, like Coppinger. I thought like James Coppinger could have been a shout for that type of role as well, or whatever. But um, he's, he's too busy still playing. No, he's four. The bloke's unbelievable. Right. He just keeps going. Um, but yeah, so Butler's taken charge of them. Uh, did well the first time out. They beat Pompey in his first game. Then they beat Plymouth. Both of those were 2-1. Um, but then on Tuesday, I think it was, they lost to 1-0 to Crew. Um, interestingly, since Butler's taken over, um, Coppinger's got, he's been starting, he's been starting games again. And he's playing in like a number 10 role as well but I always wonder you know when someone comes in that's not like an established manager and if you got copying of those you're like your pal but he said if he's fit he starts so we should probably expect him to be playing against 
us next week, assuming he doesn't get injured. Um, but last time out, obviously, we played him 3-2. We had a really good first half, fell away early second half, and were just punished by some drab defending where we just seemed to get confused and then they were just getting shots away. But we had 62% possession at their place and we absolutely bossed it. And we had that blatant penalty turned down on Shadipo as well. Oh, God, don't remind me of that. They're just the check. With, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um but yeah, their run of form since beating us, similar to the things I was moaning about with um, Pompey, is that they lost to Fleetwood, lost to Sunderland, lost to Accrington, drew with Hull, lost to Ipswich. And then uh, Butler came in and they had those results that I referred to before. So they haven't been in the best of form and they've dr- dropped away a little bit, which is why they're in touching distance for us, as Jack mentioned earlier. Um, top scorer they've got is, uh, I don't want to say his name, Jack? Oh, for Jerry Ockenbeery. <laughs> that's right so he's he's got nine goals um but they they're actually having a bit of a mini injury crisis so they didn't have a recognized striker at crew um i forget who it was that was on this is it omar it's omar bogle isn't it as well who's got a bit of a hamstring problem um Ockenbeery was was out as well but it looks like he'll probably be back fit by next week um but they had reese james and uh bostock come off against crew as well so they had a couple more injuries that they're assessing so it might be that they've got a bit of a mix and match squad when they line up against us but all in all Connor based on our performance away I think we've got you know we're at home they might they've, they're going to have a few injuries as will we but I fancy I think I fancy our chances based on that first game yeah I do as well I think um it might, however, be a knock-on effect of how the how the uh, whole game goes at the weekend. Though I do think if we end up being on the end of a battering, then I think we we might be coming with our tail between our legs. But um, I think, yeah, I think we've definitely got enough quality to see Doncaster off. So I'm going to go with a two-one win. Strong, Jack. Um, I hope we win because I know their kit man reasonably well, so I can give him a lot of abuse afterwards. Um. <sighs> I'm not sure with this. They're the kind of team that we, as we saw, because they can play almost so negatively and completely stop us from playing. They did it quite effectively this year and last year. You'd hope at home that we try and take it to them a bit more. And this is why I think Adji won't start the weekend. I think he'll save him for Tuesday and be a bit more in their face on Tuesday. Um I think we'll draw again. I think we'll draw the next the next two, so probably one one again. Interesting. I think Connor's right though. The result on Saturday against Hull will just mass I think will massively influence how we approach this game. Like if, I think if we draw, there's less pressure. I think if we lose to Hull, there's pressure to absolutely take the game to Donny at home. But I also think like what's the point in not going for it anyway at this point in time? We're not getting relegated. We're in touch and distance. It's just maybe how many risks do you take um, to fall away too much? But I, we've got to get a result over one of these teams, don't we? Yeah. That's in and around it because we're still not. We haven't beaten. We're beating anyone um, that's in the top six. I don't think we have, have we? Just looking at it now. Hull, Pete, Hull. No, we drew. Peterborough. No, lost and drew. Lincoln lost. Sunderland lost. Donny lost, Portsmouth lost. Yeah, so we, we've got to start taking, getting a win against one of them. Um, but we'll see. 
Right, uh, so next run of games, Hull, Donny, then Blackpool, who are on form, as we said, with games in hand. Northampton should be all right, and then Lincoln. Um, I was going to ask if we, if we should look at that run of games and pick how many points we think we need, but I can't be bothered now. We'll just work out what we need after. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's not think too far ahead. I think that, that Northampton game is our game in hand on Pompey, so you my only thought on it is you'd hope by then we have at least reeled Pompey in, if not overtaken them. Yeah, and then obviously we've got that really tough tough game against Lincoln, which will be live on TV. So again, hopefully the curse of the TV doesn't come and strike us for that one. Um, do you that think, would be a big game. Do you think four points is enough from Hull, Doddy and Blackpool next three games? Because I, mean, I, I, I think we probably... I think we probably need to beat Blackpool to knock them out of the playoff race, personally, with with their games in hand. I think four points... Mm. I've just said we're going to draw two, that <laughs> way. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean yeah. I'd take five. That five would be good. I mean, yeah, I'll take five. I'll take five. It's interesting, isn't it? They don't get any easier after that, does it, with Sunderland, Accrington, Crew? Like, it's, there's a, it's a big run-in. But at least yeah. we're playing people in the mix, so if we get results, it yeah, it's positive. either going to go one or two ways, isn't it? Really, I don't think we're going to be scraping into the playoffs. I think we're either going to be sat in there quite comfortably, or we ain't going to get in it at all. Yeah, um, I think it's just with the teams we've got to play um, who are above us still. And, and this is the thing, isn't it? It's it's getting those results against those teams that are above us now that really do matter. I mean, I know you can say that about every team, but they'll the teams that are above us will continually creep away from us if we don't end up getting results against them. Um, Do you you know what's interesting, though? Looking at the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I suppose if I I start from the seven games, the last seven games of the season, we've got Crewe, Shrewsbury, or Shrewsbury, Gillingham, Wimbledon, Plymouth, Shrewsbury again, and Burton. Did you know Connor's got a friend who's a Wimbledon fan? (laughs) <laughs> he's uh actually there's some news on this front no longer my friend <laughs> wow, i don't really speak wow. to the bloke i don't really speak to the bloke anyway really so oh, yeah it's very sad sorry to hear that jack no, well done i, I just re- i just really hope they go down this year because they keep toying with bloody relegation and i hope they just shuffle off now anyway apart from connor's friend my point was last seven <laughs> games of the season, they're all mostly teams either mid-table or lower half so yeah i get too carried away looking at these things it reminds me of building the spreadsheets last year when the season was cancelled and getting all excited about what ifs i should probably <laughs> stop doing it. anyway right um as always thanks everyone for listening we'll probably do another pod after the uh, donny game where we should have six points in the bag and everyone will be happy um reminder please anyone who can um Go and look at the GoFundMe page uh, for Mickey Lewis. I think we should probably link that back out on the Tip Manor account as well. Um, so we'll do that. But yeah, as always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.